The deeper we go with God, the greater things we experience from God. This is the second message in the series, Tides, Winds, and Currents. This message is entitled, Go Deep. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. We're going to talk today about the story in the Bible of Daniel chapter 3 of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I want to talk to you today about going deeper in your spiritual journey. I'm going to encourage you to say with me the, the phrase, go deeper. Say it with me. Go, go deeper. Go deeper. Any good sailor or anyone that's navigating waters will tell you that it's very important to have depth of water. If you don't have the right depth for your boat, you're going to get into trouble very quickly. You run into the shallows and the shoals and you can shipwreck. A lot of boats have been shipwrecked and left because they got outside of the channel and they found themselves in the shoals or the shallow waters. And when it comes to your spiritual life and my spiritual life, it's extremely important to understand that you and I, if we're going to sail through our spiritual life the way that we need to, we need to have spiritual depth. As I talked about last weekend and this, as the series is all about, we're talking about the tides and the winds and the currents of life pushing against us. And to sail through life effectively, we need to make sure that our, our boat is navigated in deep water. And depth doesn't occur without effort. There's a certain amount of effort involved in creating depth. I'm going to draw a little bit of something on the board here. Excuse my artwork, but maybe this will help you to understand Let's think for a moment about a, a body of water. Let's just think, because many of you are familiar with the Potomac River. You see it as you drive in and out of Washington, D.C. And you would think that the entire Potomac River is a very deep place, but in reality, it's not. In fact, there are lots of places in the Potomac River that are very, very shallow. And what you have to learn if you're going to navigate that river, especially as you go down to the lower part, moving toward the Chesapeake Bay, is you learn that in that river, there's something called channels. Those channels are marked by buoys. If you've ever seen the red and green buoys along a, 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 a pathway of water, you, you know that that marks the channels. And so anyone that is navigating a body of water must learn how to get inside the channel because the channel is where it's safe. The channel is where there is depth. The channel is where you can navigate without fear of running aground. And this channel, these channels and bodies of water are created primarily in two ways. They're created first and foremost by man. Sometimes man will dig out a channel. It's called a dredging process. And so maybe you've seen dredging works that have happened in, in bodies of water. And so there's this, these big sort of uh, bucket things that pull out all the sediment underneath. And a channel is created by, by, by people doing that work. But more, than of, more often than not, channels are created by storms. They're created by weather. They're created by the movement of currents that are pressed through by weather over a period of time. And what you have to learn is you have to learn how to match the depth of your boat, the draft of your boat, that is how much of your boat is underwater with the amount of depth of water. And the larger the boat, the bigger the draft and the deeper the water needs to be. And the same is true in your life spiritually, that if you're going to sail a large ship spiritually, if you're going to grow in your spiritual life, you can't just grow your ship, you have to grow your water, you have to grow where you're sailing that ship. There needs to be a channel that is sufficient to handle the growth or the largesse, if you will, of your operation, of your spiritual journey. 
When we come to Daniel chapter 3, we see some young men who had great spiritual depth. They faced some tides and some winds and some currents that came against them, as we'll see here in just a moment as we read part of their story. And they were able to do so because these young men were young men of spiritual depth. They were sailing their ship in the right water. They had the right kind of depth to their lives spiritually. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego takes place in Daniel chapter 3. Let me give you a little background on the story. We'll read a portion of it, as I said, in just a moment. But Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were four young men who had been taken out of Jerusalem and brought into Babylon, captive by the king Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to instill in them the worship of the Babylonian gods and idolatry, but they were resisting this. And, and one day, Nebuchadnezzar had the idea that I'm going to build this, this massive image, this golden image. It's going to be really, really tall. In fact, according to the Bible, it was a 90-foot-tall golden image. And he gave an edict throughout the land that any time the music sounds, any time anyone in, this, in, the, in my territory hears music sounding, they're to bow down and worship the golden image. Anyone who refuses to worship the golden image will be thrown into a fiery furnace. They will be killed. That created a dilemma for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Certainly for Daniel. Daniel, as far as we know, was outside of the country during this period of time. And so the focus really of chapter 3 is on these three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so here they are as Jewish young men who have been taught the Ten Commandments from early age that they're not to bow to any other God except the one only Jehovah God, Yahweh. They're not going to worship idols. They're not going to worship a graven image at all. They've made a commitment that they're going to only worship God, and now they're surrounded by an environment and surrounded by a culture that says, every time you hear the music, bow down and worship this idol of gold. So they had to decide what they were going to do, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made the decision that they would not bow. When they made that decision, they would not bow. They were setting themselves up, obviously, for some consequences and some trouble. In fact, eventually they are reported to King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar hears the news that here are three young men in, the, in his territory that are refusing to bow to the image that he set up. And now we pick up the story in Daniel chapter 3, verse number 14. Let me read what goes on after Nebuchadnezzar has discovered the fact that these three young men are not bowing to his wishes and bowing to idolatry. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship uh, the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other cloths were bound, clothes, I should say, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the God or like the son of God. Of course, it was. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. I'm sure they did. They saw that the fire, notice this, they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God. Notice who says this now? Nebuchadnezzar says this. Then praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. What an amazing story. Yeah. I don't really need to preach on it. I think we're done. It pretty much tells the story, doesn't it? Okay. But I am going to preach on it. Because I want to talk about these three men for a moment. I want to talk about what gave them such depth. They were young, perhaps 17, 18, 19 years of age. What allowed these three young men to make such a decision against these kind of forces, these tides and winds and currents that were pressuring them to bow before a golden idol? What kept them in right relationship with God? What kept them was the fact that they had depth in their spiritual life. Dear ones, I want to tell you today and all of us gathered here and those that are watching online that if we're going to survive in the midst of a world that is pushing against us, the tides of the world and the world culture that wants to push us and draw us into its midst and make us worship things that are unworthy of our worship, you and I need spiritual depth as well. 
And what, 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 what was it about these, these, these three men that made them deep? And what do we need to have in our lives? I'm going to share with you briefly five things today that you need in your life. If you're going to dig the channel of your life deep, if, if there's going to be the ability to navigate the world around you in the midst of the tides and winds and, 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 the, and the waves, if you will, of culture, how are you going to do this? The first thing that you've got to do is you've got to be willing to be different. There needs to be a willingness in all of us as followers of Jesus not to be like the world around us. The world wants to shape us into its mold, but you and I need to make the choice of being different. And that's exactly what happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Take a look again at this verse and notice what it says. This is verse number 12. But there are some Jews, here's the report that came to King Nebuchadnezzar. There are some Jews, speaking of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, have set, who, who, who you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. I want you to notice that phrase, there are some Jews. That means there were other Jews who are worshiping the golden image. What I want you to see is that here is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that are not only surrounded by Babylonians that are worshiping the Babylonian image, but some of their fellow Jews were doing the same thing. And so they had to make the choice in the midst of this to do what this next verse says, that they're not going to serve or worship the image of gold that is set up. They made the choice to be different. They said, no way are we going to do this. They were not afraid to be different. If you want to go deep into your faith and live a deep kind of faith, you have to understand that you're going to be different from the world around you, and you must be okay with being different. If you study the Bible, you will see that the major men and women of Scripture had to be different in the midst of their culture. Ask Noah. Was Noah different? Noah was very different. Here he is building a boat Nobody had ever seen a boat before, a big old ark, and they'd never even seen rain or water. And everybody thought that Noah was crazy, but when the rain came down, they discovered Noah wasn't so crazy after all. He was living a different lifestyle because he was marching to the beat of the drum of God Almighty. You can ask Joshua and Caleb that when they were trying to go into the promised land and there were 12 spies appointed, 10 of those spies came back and said, we can't go in. But the Bible says of Joshua and Caleb, they had a different spirit. They believed God. They stood out as a minority in the midst of people that were going against God. Ask Jesus. The Bible says even of Jesus himself, he was despised and rejected by men. Obviously, he was different from the world around him. Ask the early apostles who actually many of them gave their lives for the sake of the gospel. They stood out as different. Now, being different from the world around you doesn't mean that you have to be strange or you have to be weird or you have to be out of touch with the world around you. It simply means this, that your relationship with God is more important to you than anything else. And when something comes to challenge your relationship with God, you make the decision. My relationship with God is more important than what the world will offer unto me. Jesus made this very clear. Listen to what he said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the, what kind of gate? 
the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And say it with me, and say it again, and many, many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few Find it. Can I ask you the question, which road would you prefer to be on, the one to destruction or the one to life? And understand what Jesus himself said. There will be many that will be on the road to destruction. There will be few that will be on the road to life. What that tells us very clearly is that if you're going to follow God in the midst of a world that is contrary to God, you have to make the choice to be different. Don't be afraid to be different. You can't be like the world and then also be a follower of Jesus as well. The Bible says you can't love the world and love God at the same time. There's a difference in those who are followers of Jesus. It takes courage to go deeper in your faith. You must be willing to be different. I didn't say be strange. I didn't say be weird. I said be different, okay? I, you know, sometimes Christians think being different is being like really strange and weird. No, never do you find that in Scripture. It just means that when it comes to a choice in your life of whether it's God or the world, what is your choice? It's going to be God. Here's a second thing that we have to learn. You've got to choose some friends for going deep also. If you want to go deep, it's very important that you surround yourself with people that are going the same way you're going. I find in this story that it's interesting that it was not just one that was standing alone. And sometimes you may have to stand alone for your faith. It's usually, uh, sometimes it will happen in your life that you're the only person maybe in your office who is a follower of Jesus or maybe the only person in your neighborhood that perhaps is a follower of Jesus. But generally speaking, you can find people that you can connect with that will support you in your journey. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they connected together. Some of the other Jews were worshiping the golden idol, but not these three. They shared a common bond. And if you and I are going to go deep, we need one another. We need something called the church. Everybody say that with me. The church. The church is the gathered body of believers. It's those that are going on the journey, those that are seeking the narrow pathway that leads to life. That doesn't mean that everyone in the church is perfect or everyone in the church is going necessarily deep in their faith, but find people that are moving forward in their spiritual journey. The Apostle Paul himself understood this and valued surrounding himself with people who were going deep in their faith. Notice what he says in Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. He's writing to the Roman believers and says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. But then he adds this, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by what? By each other's faith. See, when you're going through a tough time or you're facing maybe persecution or difficulty in your life in some way, you need someone that can encourage your faith. And when someone else is going through tough times, you need to be there for them to encourage their faith. We need one another. Generally speaking, you never go deep in your faith by yourself. You go deep in faith when you surround yourself with people who are making the journey with you. So the first thing, you must be willing to be 
different. Second of all, you've got to choose some people who are going deep with you, correct? Here's the third thing that's necessary. We're learning some lessons here. Be ready to sacrifice for your faith. What's the, what do you think the key word here is? This is where we lose a lot of people. A lot of people, well, it's okay as long as everything's great and wonderful, but I, I'm not sure that I want to do that sacrifice thing. Well, I'm going to show you here as we see through the story, sacrifice always worth it when you're doing it in the right spirit for God. That's a key issue if you're going to go deeper in your faith. You have to be ready to sacrifice for your faith. What does it mean? It means that you have to be willing to pay a price. That's what a sacrifice is. It costs you something. There's a price that you're willing to pay for following God. See, I will tell you that it's extremely important to be willing to pay a price to follow God. Jesus gave his all for you, did he not? He gave everything for you. He held nothing back when he went to the cross. He took your sins and my sins. Think about every sin you've ever committed and how much judgment you, you deserve from God for just the sins you have committed in your life and I've committed in mine. But the Bible says that Jesus took that penalty. He paid the price. He took all of our punishment for us. And then he simply says, will you follow me? And there are going to be some sacrifices that you, you will need to make along the way. And Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they were willing to sacrifice and suffer if need be for their faith. See, there were some consequences. If you don't bow before the golden idol, what's going to happen to you? You're going to be thrown where? Into the fiery furnace. They knew that, but nevertheless, they were willing to stay consistent in their deep relationship with God and only worship him. Take a look with me, if you will, at Daniel chapter 3 again, verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, that's to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. This is the matter of worshiping the false god. If, notice what, if we are what? Thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Let's stop there for a moment. They had the confidence that if, even if they paid, the, they, they, they paid the price of being thrown into the fiery furnace, they had confidence that God could get them out. Okay. They had the confidence that God could and would deliver them. But it doesn't stop there. Notice what, what they continue by saying. But even if he does not, does not what? Even if he does not deliver us out of this furnace, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They made the decision to stand for God no matter what the cost was. They trusted God to deliver them, but they were also willing to say, even if he doesn't deliver them, we're willing to pay the ultimate price for the fact that we are only going to worship God. This is deep faith. It's deep faith. It's the kind of faith that you and I need. See, as you go through life, there, there may be times that you're going to face some sacrifices along the way. There may, may be times that you'll be persecuted for your faith. I don't mean that you should bring persecution on yourself, as I mentioned a moment ago, by doing dumb things and 
being obnoxious in the way that you carry out your faith, but there may simply be times that you may be persecuted by, by people who don't understand your faith. You may be rejected by people at the office. You may be rejected by family members. You may be pushed aside from certain groups and not included in certain things. There may be times that you might miss what you thought should have been a promotion to you and went to someone else, and it happened because someone may be discriminated against you by reason of your faith. That perhaps is going to happen as a part of your journey. But you and I need to be willing to make the sacrifice knowing that whatever the situation might be, God is able to deliver us from it. I've seen it happen before. I've seen people who were persecuted by not getting a certain pr a promotion in a job situation. It was re The reason was because of their faith and their commitment to Jesus. And I've seen how God was able to move around that particular situation and promote them down the line in ways that were greater than anything they could have ma imagined. See, God is able to deliver you, but even if we're not delivered, we make the decision to say, I'm willing to pay the price. Sometimes it requires a sacrifice. Do you remember the story of David when he goes to the the, the, the field of Aruna, and he wants, to, he wants it for a, a place of worship. And Aruna, who is, he, uh, he wants to put the Ark of the Covenant there, and Aruna's uh, offering to give David this piece of land for building the temple, the place of worship, his temple there. And David said, I'm not going to take anything from me that doesn't cost me something. And he bought it. He paid the price because he realized that sacrifice was a part of the journey. So let's review where we are so far. Do you want to go deep? My question is, do you want to go deep? Okay. Some of you are thinking about that right now. Okay, okay. We're looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What, what are they? They have to, be, have to be willing to be what? Different. You got to surround yourself with the right people. There are many people on the path of destruction, few on the path of life. You got to be willing to do what? Sacrifice along the way, ready to do so. Here's our fourth thing. You got to keep a positive spirit. I want to go back to verses 19 through 23 and take a look at these men again because I want you to note closely as I read this something that is conspicuously absent in this, this narrative. So they've now said we're not going to worship. Hey, you know what? God can deliver us. If he doesn't deliver us, we're not changing our minds. We're not going to bow to this false God. Not going to do so. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. And commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And to throw them into the flaming furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace." As I mentioned a moment ago, there's something that strikes me when I read that, something that is conspicuously absent. And what is conspicu conspicuously absent from this portion of the story, you got the story, they've tied them all up and they've thrown them into the flaming furnace. And what you don't see in the story is there's no record of any complaining on the part of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They did not say to God, God, we're trying to serve you. Why are you letting this happen in our lives? 
I mean, God, we're trying to do the right thing, and you seem to be letting us down. They never say anything of that nature. Never once do you hear words of hatred toward the king or anger about the situation. Never once do you hear words of unfaithfulness toward God. These men, again, had deep faith. They suffered quietly, they suffered reverently, and they suffered respectfully. The, the problem with us is most of us suffer loudly, okay? They suffered quietly. There was no loudness to their, to, their, to their verbalization. There was nothing here that in any way, shape, or form communicates anything less than honor to God. Not one time before or during or after this fiery furnace ordeal do you hear anything negative proceeding from their mouths. They had a positive spirit. Why? Because they had faith in God. This is not unusual among people of deep faith. We see it in the Apostle Paul and his, and his uh, fellow worker, Silas. Here's the story in Acts chapter 16. Let me set it up for you. And the story, Paul and Silas have been preaching the gospel in a place called Philippi. And there was a lot of tumult and frustration over the fact that Paul was preaching the gospel among the leaders of that city. And so ultimately, uh, they call them in and they arrest them. Notice what happens now. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. So why are they being stripped and beaten with rods? Because they've been preaching the gospel. They haven't done anything wrong. The only thing they've done is proclaim the good news of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins. They've delivered a little girl who was bound with a demon from her demons. All they've done is good stuff. But nevertheless, they were being stripped and beaten with rods. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. So it wasn't just, we're going to strip you and beat you naked until you're bleeding. We're also going to throw you into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Now, would you agree with me from a worldly perspective? That seems very unfair, does it not? If you'd only been doing good and sharing the love of Jesus and preaching the gospel and helping people along the way, and you're beaten and flogged and thrown into prison for it, would you agree that doesn't seem like the right response to doing good? And so here they are in a situation where they're suffering, they're sacrificing and suffering for their faith. Let's take a look at how they handle it. We're talking again about depth. Let's take a look at this next statement here. About midnight, Paul and Silas were complaining and frustrated to God. <laughs> that's not what it says? If it was us, that's probably what it would say, right? Okay. About midnight, now they're in the inner cell. They've been beaten. They're bleeding. They were praying and doing what? Can you imagine that? They've been, all, they've been treated terribly, only doing good. But at midnight, here they are praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were doing what? You better believe they were listening because people don't act this way. There's something different about these two guys. They're deep. There's something different about them. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Here's what I want you to see. As we're going to see in a moment, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't know whether God was going to deliver them or not. They didn't know. 
I said, God can deliver us. We, we believe he may deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're going to go into the flames. And Paul and Silas didn't know an earthquake was coming. They had no awareness of what was going to happen next. They were simply responding with a positive spirit to, the, to what they were going through. No complaining, no irritation, only prayer and praise. And what we see is that God showed up on the scene and brought out a great victory. And out of that, by the way, many people came to faith in Christ, including the Philippian jailer, whose whole household was saved as a part of that. People who have spiritual death keep a positive spirit in the midst of the most negative situations. Let's go to the final point here. Last thing, or fifth thing. Expect to see miracles others don't see and make an impact others don't make. When you go deep, you can expect that you're going to see what? You're going to see miracles that others don't see and you're also going to make an the greatest miracles that you'll ever see come to people who are learning to walk deeper with God. It's a journey. You can always go a little deeper. If you're at a one-foot level, you can go to two-foot. If you're at two-foot, you can go to six-foot. You can continue to grow your depth in God. And the same is true. They make an impact that others don't make in their journey. Let's go back to the story. We're going to wrap up here. They're thrown into the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here they are in the fiery furnace. And as soon as they're thrown in, by the way, the soldiers that threw them in, the fire was so hot that it killed the soldiers who threw them in. That's how hot the fire was. But as soon as they threw them in to the fiery furnace, the Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet, and he's amazed because he sees something that he'd not seen before. He said, guys, didn't I, didn't I throw three guys in here? I think my math is right. There were three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, one, two, three. But, but I see four men in the fire. And the fourth one looks like he's the son of the gods or the son of God. And there in the midst of that situation is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But they're not alone in the fire because God showed up in the fire with them to carry them through it and to bring deliverance to them. I want you to know that as you go deep with God, even though you might make some sacrifice, along the way and there might be some tough times of persecution and people that may not understand your faith and your relationship with Jesus it is worth it in the journey why? because Jesus will be with you in the journey he goes with you in the deepest parts of your life he will not he will not, he will not, he will not leave you alone. Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you he said Lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And notice what happens after that. Notice what transpires. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire, notice this, had not harmed their bodies. I'm going to start there again, okay? Because I think we ought to say hallelujah about every one of these. Are you ready? They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. I call that a pretty good deliverance, don't you? Okay. 
First of all, you got Jesus in the fire with you, okay? And second of all, you come out of the fire, and nobody knows you've been in a fire, okay? Let me say that again. You come out of the fire, and nobody even knows you've been in a fire because your bodies aren't harmed. The hairs of your head aren't sent. I mean, I've singed, the, I've singed the hairs on my hand just by grilling chicken. Okay, okay. How about you? Okay. The hairs of their head were not singed. Their robes were not even scorched. And they're, they're like, can you smell any fire? No, I don't smell that. Have they even been in there? Okay. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's commands. He's talking about himself there. And were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. He went a little too far here probably, okay. <laughs> be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. I would say he was pretty impressed with what had happened. For no other God can save in this way. Now notice this. Then, then what happened? Then the king did what? Oh boy, folks. When you go deep with God, God knows how to promote you. Amen. Okay. God knows how to promote you. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. What are we learning from this story? We're learning the very value of the fact that depth is required in our journey with Jesus. I don't know where you are today. It really doesn't matter. All of us are at different levels of depth, and sometimes our depth varies from one day to the next, right? But one thing is for sure, we can pursue greater depth in our walk with God. But that's going to happen. We've got to be willing to be different. We can't be like the world and expect to have the pleasure of God on our lives. We have to make the choice to be different. We have to choose people that are going deep. And like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were a team together. They were a part of a family. You gotta be ready to sacrifice sometimes for your faith. It doesn't mean you're always gonna be required to do it, but you have to be ready to do it. You gotta keep a positive spirit in the midst of those things that come your way. And you have to understand that if you'll do these things, you can expect to see miracles that other people don't see and make an impact that other people don't make in their lives. My desire, and I believe it's yours as well, Lord, help us to go deeper with you. Would you pray together with me today? Father, we thank you for your word. We're grateful for the amazing story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Lord, not only does it inspire us, it challenges us, it convicts us. Lord, all of us are at different places in our journey with you, different levels of depth, and all of us could go deeper. So I pray that something that's been said today would challenge our hearts, would call us closer to you, that our response to you, Lord, would be, yes, Lord, we want to go deeper. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray, and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, 
I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you are the savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. You begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.